Good morning, church. I was told that uh, different cultures have different ways of answering a phone call, generally speaking. They say that when the phone rings, the Americans will say, Hello? When the phone rings, I was told that the Germans would answer a ringing phone with their last name. In Denmark, they say the Danes will answer with both their first and last names. The Russians will say, I'm listening. The curious French will say, Hello? Who's on the line? The Italians' greeters will say, Ready? Who's speaking? The Spanish will give command, speak. But when they call a Singaporean, they say, Hello, hello, who are you? If God is calling you today, how you, would you be responding to him? Would you say, oh, I'm sorry, it's a missed call? What would be your response? You know, I think we live in a world of uh, pandemic. I don't need further introduction to the situation we are right now in. The COVID situation, the global climate, political turmoil, social upheaval. Nothing seems to be certain. Isn't it true? And many economies have been ravaged and lives are affected. Pastor James and I know we have colleagues who are serving in other fields within our neighbouring countries uh, are pass, have passed away because of the virus infection. And you probably know of some of the family members and friends and loved ones. And I think we used to sing this favourite song in our church. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And I think God has a message for the Seventh-day Adventist Church that in these last days, that we have a hope message to proclaim, to live. Because God's work will not be stopped by the pandemic, by natural catastrophes, global climate change, prevalent disease, whatever the situation, the message is even more urgent now. I want to just borrow a quotation from one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. She wrote in 1909, and she said that great changes are soon to take place in our world. And then she said, and the final movements will be rapid ones. I think we are having already a preview to this whole situation for the last one and a half years. Nobody would have thought a single virus can bring the entire group to a complete halt. And so I think, as Seventh-day Adventists, God has given us the whole message to amplify, to, to magnify that message to every kindred, tongue and people. God is calling us to be faithful witnesses for Him in these times. This morning, where just now Elder Roth had read to us the scripture reading, if you go down to Isaiah chapter 6, this is... Uh, a very interesting vision because Isaiah entered into the throne of God. Right here is in the temple. Very unusual scene. And he saw the mighty angels, the angels, unfallen angels, covering their faces and their feet with wings uh, in the presence of Almighty God. They felt unworthy to be in the presence of God. And God's voice uh, has shaken the temple's foundation and it was filled with smoke. 
And Isaiah cried out that being a sinful man, he was unworthy to be in the presence of God. But the Almighty removed all his sins and his iniquities. And now Isaiah is redeemed, and God called Isaiah to represent him to go into the world as his faithful redeemed. And then Isaiah heard the voice of God. And you have heard this many times. And he heard the voice of God, and God, interestingly, uh, asking a rhetorical question. Now, Isaiah is right there in the presence of God. And he asked, and God asked him a rhetorical question and said, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who? Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah raised his hand and said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. If we were to paraphrase it in our today's context, if the Lord is calling us, calling the SD church, who will I send? Into the communities within the area of the church, into your workplaces, into your schools, in, into your houses, who will I send? If we are to be faithful to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, you will find that Jesus, before He was ascended to heaven, He gave His disciples the final instruction. And He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples there. Baptize them. Teach them. And help them to grow in full maturity of Jesus Christ. And, and He says that this message of hope will go into all the world. And I think the question for us this morning is this. Will you go into your neighbourhood? Will you go into your workplace? Will you go into your community for Jesus? Interestingly, the term disciple appears at least 269 times in the entire New Testament. The word Christian appears only three times. And the first time is found in the book of Acts in the city of Antioch where they say these followers of Jesus are Christians. You can easily conclude that disciple equals to Christian. In, in other words, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are a Christian. So disciple making is not a ministry of the church. It is the ministry of the church. All our church activities, whatever they might be, directly or indirectly, ultimately must come back to this great commission, is to make disciples for Jesus. So discipleship is important because we want people to become fully committed followers of Jesus. Discipleship helps believers to grow in their faith, to grow in their maturity and wisdom, to build their faith on a strong foundation so that they can then disciple and lead others toward Christ. A disciple continues in the Word, loves others, bears fruits, and puts Christ first. If it's so important, Jesus is saying, will you go and make disciples for me? The understanding of discipleship be, begins with the, with the Greece culture. You know, if you uh, go back to in history, Greece is literally the birthplace of Western civilization. And um, great uh, names of, 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 of Greece civilization, Herodotus, Plato, Socrates, they all have disciples. But basically into three levels of classification. The first level, the lowest level, is being a learner, a trainee. Refers to a person who, who is a learner in different fields and the learner acquires knowledge uh, from the expert of a particular activity. 
Then the next level is to be a pupil. Now, to progress from a learner to a pupil, then that includes not just a concept, but requires a significant uh, investment of the pupil in the life of uh, his master, devoted to his master to learn the skills and to practice it. But in, in Greece understanding, the highest level is to be a disciple or a heron. Basically, a disciple would need to make significant personal life commitment and sacrifices. And all the practice that were learned, they should be able to demonstrate it in practical ways in their lifestyle and values to reflect the culture. And if you fast forward to the time of Jesus, the Jewish community brought in the understanding of disciple-making, but right now, there is a key significant uh, difference is that it is not just a sharing of cognitive information, but it included one's life experiences in the context of community, starting in the family and then the others. You will realize that the instruction in the Jewish community is always that the parents are to disciple the children and then the parents are also to disciple others in the community. If you look at the life of Jesus, he spends the bulk of his time with who? With the 12 disciples. And within the 12 disciples, he spends with Andrew, Peter, and James. And in a smaller group, in the context of community, helps them to grow and mature. And so, the idea of the Greece and the Jewish shifted from more than just learning from the master, but there is a peer learning that each disciple within the community will hold each other accountable as they grow and mature in their practices. That's why in the New Testament, the one another passage, are you familiar with that? The one another passage occurs more than 100 times in the entire New Testament. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Build up one another. Encourage one another. And so many one another's. So this one another often is essential in a biblical functioning community. Community is oxygen to the Christian life. And God has created us for community. And community is essential to every disciple making. As our lungs require air, so our souls require what only community provides. And community is relational. Community matters. And God exists, for your information, exists as a community. The, the Trinity is a community. And in community, you can see God for who He really is. And that is why if you go to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, you will see that after the ascension of Jesus uh, to heaven, uh, the disciples, the early church, met in different homes and places. And you will notice that 3,000 new converts were added to the church. And they needed instruction in the word and fellowship with God's people if they were to grow and become effective witnesses. The early church did not just merely make converts, they made disciples. And that is why there was an explosive growth in the early church as they began to learn to make disciples, as they learned to live in pockets of communities, in home and places, which literally, which literally later gave birth to churches. In, in Acts chapter 2, you will find that they, the community involves what? Involves the regularly, regular breaking of bread, the worshipping together. Involves fellowship, 
not just dialing together, but being together, living together. And they cater to one another's need, caring for each other. And the result is this. They, the community met daily, they cared daily, they won souls daily, they searched the scriptures daily, and the church grew. And people from outside the community say, hey, I want to be a part of this community. Who are they? Oh, they are followers of Christ. So they are called Christians. The result, the church in Acts 2 is a unified church, it's a magnified church, and it's a multiplied church. And these believers develop a relationship that holds them accountable for spiritual development. Now, most of us, most of our Christian growth basically remains as a personal choice and priority. But if you go back to the early church, Spiritual life is not restricted to just a religious routine, a few hours in a given week. It is, they they allow themselves to be in pockets of community so that they can hold each other spiritually accountable in their growth and maturity. And so, for the Singapore conference a few years ago, the pastors came together and said that, how can we be faithful to this great commission? How can we answer to the call like Isaiah? we will go and make disciples for the Lord. We will go and witness for Him. And we say that uh, our discipleship pathway, the DP, if you have not noticed our logo, uh, represents the process of making, maturing, and ultimately multiplying. And so, uh, basically, it's, it's very simple. is that every one of us go through this process. If you take a scale of minus 10 to plus 10, Minus 10 is totally atheistic. And plus 10 is being an effective disciple, multiplier, maker for Jesus. So the making, the maturing, and the multiplying is just a process so that we can escalate from one level to the next level and ultimately being fruitful for the Lord. Now, imagine this, that you are uh, basically a jar of raw clay. And in the hand of the master, he begins to shape you, mold you, and form you into shape. And finally, to be useful, you must be hardened. You must be polished so that the empty vessel begins to allow the grace of God and His love to be poured into it and to be shared with others. So it is with the church. And imagine every member is being made as a disciple for Jesus. Maturing the, uh, uh, in the process, he is being made, he is being matured, and finally, he is multiplying for the kingdom of God. So the goal, ultimately, when we talk about discipleship making in Singapore and in the whole world, is what? It's exponential disciple making. What does that mean? Simply, I think the uh, virus pandemic has shown us the perfect example. One person who is infected with the virus, he goes out, in fact, a few others, and within a short period of time, the entire community, the entire country is being infected with the virus. Now, if we use the same analogy in the spiritual realm, one person who is infected with the message of hope, and now he wants to be a positive contagion and allow others to, to be rubbed on to the message of Christ and how his life can impact others. The end result, truly, Ellen White says, the end time movement will be rapid. 
Now, sometimes I scratch my head too, and you may be scratching your head. No, we have been here for more than 100 years and, and looking at our progress. How can we make uh, further progress? And I think we need to come back to the biblical essence of every church. Sometimes I think in churches, we have a lot of programs and activities, as good as they might be, but they may not be fundamental and foundational to the essence of Jesus calling to make disciples. A well-known preacher will say that he was once to asked to address a meeting of a very high-end established club. And most of the members come from the highty, wealthy and mighty. And uh, on his arrival, he found his audience exempted and everything arranged for him to give the message. Now, he was a pastor, so he had to preach the Christian message. And his opening lines is this. Say, ladies and gentlemen, the entrance fee into the kingdom of heaven is nothing. But the annual subscription is everything. And I thought that, that sums up the, 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 the calling of Jesus, isn't it? That how can we make disciples for Jesus? About three years ago, I think the pastors, the workers gathered together and said, how can we reshape the, the event movement right here globally, but also within the framework of Singapore, within the geographical boundary in this place? And say our vision is what? Every Adventist, a disciple. So we must be ourselves first disciples, faithful disciples of Jesus. And then what? Making disciples for Jesus. So every Adventist, a disciple, making disciples for Jesus. So the end goal is not just my spiritual maturity. It must be measured by my spiritual multiplication. Our mission statement remains the same. The Seventh-day Adventist Church based on Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12. We are still saying that what? We are a people who seek and enable everyone to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the three angels' message, preparing Singapore for Christ's imminent return. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a prayer meeting with, the, uh, with our church members from the country of Myanmar. Um, many of them, Literally, there were a, a Zoom prayer meeting, about 15 of them, 15 or 17 of them. And met, these members are in Singapore, but they have family members, loved ones, friends, church members in Myanmar. And many of them had passed away. Some very young. And they, they wanted to send medication back to Myanmar. Just impossible because it will be confiscated right there at the custom. And, and many things could not be done. What can we do? And there is this acute sense of what? That, that things are not going well as they were just some two years ago in Myanmar. And, and a lot of this situation brings us back to our knees. The Lord, if you are coming soon, whatever time and resources in my hand, how can I continue to bring your message to the world? Some of you may be asking, so, so Pastor, you're talking about a discipleship, right? The making, the maturing, the multiplying. How does that, how does that work? We say that, it all we are recommending, we call it the discipleship group, a D group. So a D group basically is a close group committed to meeting regularly with express permission to hold each other mutually accountable in spiritual growth and maturity. And it is the desire of the group to live an emotional and healthy spiritual life, develop, developing a passion for mission and service and ultimately to invest one's life in another's. So the final goal of every discipleship group, or we call it a D group, is either another D group 
or a new Bible study group that will eventually join a D group. Now, I just want to show you some statistics from our conference of all the churches collected. We started this in, uh, somewhere in uh, the second half of 2019. And this is cumulative figure. And uh, total number right now, we have about 111 groups, uh, discipleship groups, D groups. We're not talking about small groups. Huh? Uh, they are good and wonderful. We're not talking about fellowship groups. They are good. We're not talking about the Makan groups. They are good. But we're talking about D group. And we have about 111 D groups. Some of your members in this church are involved in it. Thank you for being part of that. I want to encourage others to join too. And you can find that we have about 371 members participated in this D group, so to speak, right now, to date. Uh, this is our latest statistic to the month of, uh, of June. And you can find that uh, 68 members have actually completed at least the end of term three and they have gone on to reproduce or start new groups. Uh, about 78% are still in the process. We have a 5% dropout for whatever reasons. Maybe they are sick, they are travelling schedule, or they are redeployed to other places. Circumstances beyond control. But I want to show you the last slide. This is the net result. And so, currently, our statistics is that there are 45 new groups formed as a result of those students who have participated in our D groups. And there are about 24 individual Bible studies, whether it's in ones or twos, that had been given uh, or new Bible studies students that were given by these individuals who had gone through this whole uh, discipleship pathway. We call it the DP process. I want to just share with you testimonies briefly, right? Uh, I don't know whether it works. Huh? Okay. Uh, uh, okay, it's not working. You can see there. Uh, from uh, the lowest uh, left-hand corner, Win from SDAT, right? Uh, he says, she says that with the dynamics of a small group, we've all grown closer to each other. Peggy Zhao from Chuan Ho says that I now feel the urgency of my responsibility of making disciples for Jesus. Um, and, and then we have another group uh, from the Filipino group. It says, uh, uh, the D group serves my second family right here in Singapore. Right there below, Ming Chia from the Jurong Chinese Church says, we are learning how to give Bible studies. Jane uh, from Thompson Chinese Church says, a safe place where I can express my thoughts. Uh, uh, James from the Jurong English Church says, say, how can I help someone else to grow when I still have so much more to learn? So he's saying that there is a lot to learn so that I can be equipped to serve. Uh, Boon uh, from the Jurong English Church says that, D group started to mean something to me after I saw all of us committed to meeting together. I happened to join this D group too. Uh, uh, Daniel from the SDA Church says that, uh, no, from the Filipino Church says, I still feel alone sometimes, but I know I have a group to count on. And Jenny uh, from the same church says that, my perspective of worry, uncertainty, anxiety turned into assurance. DJ from the... Uh, from the Jurong English Church say that as a stay-at-home mom of two and a homeschooler of two, my days get really busy, but I'm committed to this process. Diane from Thompson says, the D group brought us three non-biological sisters closer. Nathaniel from SDA Church right here, we continue because we have more to grow together. And Francis from Ballester says, being in a D group made me more consistent in my faith. And Monta from Chuan Ho says, I've enjoyed encouragement from my group members when we share our struggles. Now, I'm just highlighting the statement. You can read all their stories on our conference, Facebook or Instagram. 
If you don't know, go to Facebook, just type Seventh-day Adventist Conference Singapore. You can read their stories, their testimonies. These are from them, not me. And we encourage them to share. And every day, we are posting a story to share on our Facebook and Instagram concerning all those who have participated in the D-groups or the discipleship groups. Because the, ultimately, the, the, the 3M process uh, uh, is, is, is a process, right? The making, the maturing, and the multiplying. And we have uh, developed content locally with our group of pastors and ministers and workers. Uh, we have used that for the last two years. And we have actually uh, fine-tuned it, uh, made editorial uh, changes to it. And we are launching our new app on this D-group material, the content, from term one to term four, we call it a discipleship pathway, but the D-group content. In a new app uh, that is very convenient, uh, we are now doing beta testing, you can save notes, you can, you can easily, all in the uh, fingers of, of your mobile phone, right? You can find everything is there. And we have orchestrated this way, uh, Pastor James, your church pastor is very techno savvy, he is involved in this process actively, and we are, we are doing that so that these resources can be easily shared. But these are only resources. Ultimately, it is your willingness and desire. And say, God, if you are calling me to be a faithful witness for you, then, then what can I do? You know, God is calling you today. He's not calling you to quit your job right now and then join the ministry as a full-time pastor. Maybe He will ask some, He will impress upon some, a few minds, but the majority of you, whether you are an engineer, you are a businessman, you are a retired person, or whether you are a teacher, whether you are doing grab driving or grab delivery, whatever area of life you are in, God is asking you to be faithful where you are. So that as His transformed disciple, you can make disciple for Him, you can mature in His grace, and you can multiply for His kingdom. It is said that in the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. And he made application to, um, to the local monastery and asked to, be, to spend the rest of his life right at the monastery. So when he went to the monastery, he met the, the, the in charge of the monastery right at the local area. And, and he says that, I want to spend the rest of my life here. And Pyro Richard, who was in charge of the monastery, said to the king, said, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pleasure is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. And King Henry said, I understand. The rest of my life, I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then Pyro Richard, the guy who was in charge of the monastery, said to King Richard, then I will tell you what to do. He says, go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. When King Henry died, a statement was written, the king learned to rule by being obedient. And God is calling us. And are we obedient to his great commission? Are we obedient like what and how he had called the prophet Isaiah? That who will go forth and be my witness? Who will share my faith? And that is why we, 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 we want to pray. If you are wondering, you know, what, what can I do? First and foremost, I ask that as you look at the horizon of world events around us, 
I think indeed we know as a Seventh-day Adventist church, as a movement that God has raised up in these times, that indeed the world is not getting better. And indeed, many of these rapid movements beyond our human understanding and imagination, they are happening right in front of us. And I think we can pray. We can pray for the later rain, that the Holy Spirit will convict our hearts and our minds so that we will be willing to be obedient, to be faithful disciples of Jesus. Ellen White says in these uh, testimonies to ministers, says, unless we are daily advancing in the, look at this big word, exemplification of the active Christian virtues. How do we do that? And that's why we are hoping that the discipleship pathway, the making, maturing, multiplying, help us to exemplify Jesus Christ wherever we are. And yes, we shall not recognize the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the later end. It may be falling on us all around us, but we shall not discern or deceive it. You know, it's very interesting. Yesterday night, I was uh, uh, rehearsing the, the message this morning, trying to go through the notes. And, you know, I, I, like many of you, I, I, I wear a, an eye watch. And sometimes it goes crazy because it just asks you, what do you want? And then it makes a phone call at 11.59. And, and to someone, I didn't know, but I heard the sound ring, ring. You know, where is it from? And then I saw my watch was calling. I immediately tried to, to stop it. Right? And, uh, and where and behold, this person, uh, years, several years earlier, uh, uh, was in a relationship challenge and, and uh, was trying to uh, uh, ask for wisdom and counsel. And my wife and I had a chance to, to, to assist him in the journey. And he had not been in church for, for a long time. He was still seeking. And just now, just before the message, James, he, he texts me, how am I? I say, oh, I'm good. I say, oh, I want to invite you to, to the church where I'm, I'm more currently attending. Is that their church? I, uh, I want to invite him to come. And you know what? I was just yesterday praying, Lord, who can I reach out to? And my, my watch went crazy, I, but it wasn't crazy. I think it's the Lord's appointment. And God works in mysterious and wonderful ways. And when His later rain comes upon the church, we will be strong. Several years ago, there was a little terrible drought in the village. Crops died and livestock stood in danger of dying of thirst. In the midst of the impending disaster, the humble minister asked members of his congregation, majority were farmers, to fast and pray for rain. So on the appointed day, the entire community was asked to join in a massive appeal to the Lord that heaven will open and will pour out rain upon the land so that their crops will not die and they will survive that, that, that very difficult time and that He will send rain. And on that appointed day, people were gathered, joining prayers and hoping to pierce heavens with their prayer. Among them was a little girl who, in an act of faith, brought an umbrella. And uh, she came uh, with an umbrella, was the only one with the umbrella. She was the only practitioner who absolutely believed that God's littering would fall upon us. You know what? We have a gift for you. Uh, this is a discipleship gift for all members. Uh, uh, your pastors will arrange uh, when you have uh, in-person worship resumes. Uh, you can collect it uh, from a church. And this is a small little umbrella. And why? 
because the umbrella has the word, I will go. Okay? And, and this, this logo is taken from a discipleship pathway, but it's been uh, modified, improved to, to say the word, I will go. And it reminds us that we are part of the Seventh-day Adventist movement. And, and I hope that when you open the umbrella, when you use this umbrella, you are reminded that the later rain will pour upon us. You will pray for the later rain. That it will come upon us like this little girl. And it will flourish the land. And God's Spirit will mightily in the midst of all of us. Because our goal ultimately is to see how will the Lord finish His work right here in Singapore. So the same question is asked of Isaiah, is asked of us today. And the Lord said, who will go for me? Who will go for me into the community, into the neighbourhood, into the school, into the workplace, into the home? Who will go for me? And I pray you will be like Isaiah and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Right here, we have a QR code. Uh, for those of you uh, who are considering to join a D group, uh, if, you, if you consider joining one, uh, you can scan the QR, give us the detail. We will contact your pastor and uh, we will arrange with you. For those of you who have been, who are now in a D group, I want to encourage you to go on. At times, it's difficult because we lose that uh, in-person meeting. Uh, most of the meetings are now done virtually. But I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And for those who have started, but for whatever reason, uh, the, the, the demands of life have slowed you down. Okay, I want you to pray and ask the Lord to, to give you a new search of power and vision. So that at the end of the day, this exercise is not just for the sake of doing it, but it's to make us to be fruitful, multiplying disciples for Jesus. And imagine someday in Singapore, in SDA Church, everyone goes out and makes disciples, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our workplaces, whether it's in our schools, in our communities. More people may come to the Lord. Not about numbers, but it's about our mission, how we can fulfill that while the time is still at hand. So I pray that the Lord will impress upon this church and His Holy Spirit will pour like the later rain and fill us up so that we truly become vessels for His kingdom. May the Lord bless us and help us. at home, we would like to invite you to close the worship with us for a closing song. And if you can, please rise with us wherever we may be.
Our gracious Father in heaven, thank you for reminding us of your sacred mission that has been entrusted as broken, imperfect sinners like us. But we thank you through your grace and love, you have shaped and made us and matured us and ultimately that each of us may be fruitful in all our mission endeavours. Continue to bless us with the greater vision that our ultimate goal in life is to make disciples for your kingdom till you come. May the everlasting love of God, the transforming grace of Jesus Christ and the inspiring fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with this congregation and forevermore. Amen.